talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Philadelphia fans, boo. We do it better than anybody else, I'd like to think. And I wear it like a badge of honor. How can we judge a guy? How can we honestly assess his quarterback play when he's just given some of the most terrible weapons the NFL has ever seen? Here are your hosts. This is one of the more disappointing outcomes for a Philadelphia sports team in the last decade. And John Mita. But Ben Simmons, my God, learn how to shoot. It is the Brotherly Love Podcast on Anchor.fm and all of your podcast platforms. It's an emergency Brotherly Love Podcast. We have breaking Eagles news. I'm sure by the time most of you listen to this, it won't be breaking anymore, but uh, Joe O'Donnell joined by the one and only John Mita, and the Eagles do not have a head coach anymore. Doug Peterson and the Philadelphia Eagles have parted ways. I don't know if you want to call it a firing or what, Johnny Mita. First off, how the hell are you? I'm doing well, Joe. You know, just things are just – they get better each and every day. I mean, I can't believe so far how good 2021 is right now. I mean, <laughs> it's earth-shattering. Uh, what would you make of the news? Um. I mean, it was something I was in favor of. Uh, it's just the timing. It's just very strange. Um, again, you know, there was breaking news over the weekend that, you know, that Doug Peterson's head coach, you know, he, he wasn't really on the best ground. Then he was going to go have a meeting today, Jeffrey Lurie and Doug Peterson down in Florida. Um, I just... Again, it sounded like they had a vision. They had a meeting after the season. I guess they were going to get rid of some coaches. From what I understand, that has been reported by like guys like Jeff McLean is that, you know, it was going to be a lot of promotion within. It was going to be Press Taylor moving the offensive coordinator. Uh, Burke was going to go from D-line coach. To, and I guess they just weren't on the same page and, who knows if Carson line, uh, Carson Wentz has had something to do with the, the line he drew in the sand where, you know, it came out that he was so unhappy, he betrayed it. So if him and Doug Peterson didn't get along or they weren't, um, you know, meshing, then maybe that was it. Maybe Doug couldn't take Carson anymore. There was whispers, you know, earlier in the season this year that there was whispers saying that Doug Peterson might not be unhappy if he was fired or let go. And I've also heard things like Deshaun Watson would love to have Doug Peterson as a head coach. So, and then it was, well, could, could they trade? Could they trade uh, Doug Peterson for to, to a team and acquire a draft pick, which I thought was highly unlikely. We haven't seen that happen since John Gruden, but I don't know. It's, um, I mean, the guy who, what's the plan moving forward? I, again, it's Ken Jalen Hurts and, and, and Carson Wentz exist together. So it's going to be interesting, but uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I would like to also see Howie Roseman get, get fired, but we all know that he's got a lifelong job, you know. Yeah, that so. ain't happening, man. Did you catch any of the Jeffrey Lurie press conference? I caught a little of it. I also heard that I was actually listening to another phone call, um, but I also heard that, Maybe he mentioned maybe Deuce Staley might be in the running. Um, so, what did, did you catch any of it? What were your thoughts? I listened to maybe the first 20 minutes or so and very yeah. underwhelming in a lot of regards. I thought yeah. 
you know, he said some interesting things, Jeffrey Laurie, and kind of made it sound again more like he wasn't fired based on performance, um, that it was more, again, the vision for the organization, some philosophical differences, where they're at moving forward. Jeffrey Laurie insinuated or alluded to they need to get younger and they need to put an eyeball in the future. And it sounded like maybe Peterson was thinking a Band-Aid approach if you're taking – if you're reading between the lines and taking the owner's uh, comments at face value, um, you know, I was certainly surprised. Obviously this is, this is literally, you know, uh, a couple hours old. So it's very fresh for a lot of us. Not a lot of time to put uh, pen to paper on some thoughts, but uh, definitely the timing, as you said, interesting, if not odd. And I think that what you saw or what you've seen now is just more of the same, more of that sort of dysfunction, more of, uh, not sure what to believe, more leaked reports over the weekend, more this and that, more more meetings and press conferences and Zoom press conferences. And it's just, what the hell is going on with this team? And it starts at the top, as I said last podcast. Jeffrey Lurie needs to be more accountable for the direction of this organization. It's clear he's not going to fire his guy, Howie Roseman. He deflected a lot of the questions about the draft and uh, some of the mistakes Howie has yeah. made and, and just kind of looking at, well, I'll look at the big picture, and Good I look point. at, you know, I, I look at things this way, and and uh, look at other organizations and how they have fallen off after winning the Super Bowl. I mean, it's just a lot of like, you know, this is nobody's. There is no pointing fingers at all at the, at the GM, and and I think a lot of Philadelphia feels there should be, and for good reason. Um, so we'll see what comes of this, man. I, I just, you know, I wanted this. I said it weeks ago. I thought it should have been done in season. I thought Deuce should have had a chance to run the ship to see what he's got, see what kind of chops he's got as a head coach, see if he could have turned it around at all. Uh, But this team's a mess right now from cap space, no coach to the quarterback situation. I don't know how envious it is as a job if you're around the league, but I will say this. I mean, last year in this 2020 season for the Eagles, it just wrapped up their team passer rating was 31st out of 32 teams. The team completion percentage was dead last 32nd. So was yards per attempt, dead last at 6.2 yards per attempt. Touchdown passes, 24th out of 32nd. Interceptions, 20 of them. That was second to last in the league as a team. Uh, Percentage of pass attempts resulting in a first down, second to last in the league. Pass plays at 20-plus yards was 24th out of 32 teams. And the 65 sacks they allowed, dead last in the league. So the passing offense stunk. Uh, Everybody had a hand in the cookie jar. But if you're going to tell me that Press Taylor was going to get promoted, possibly, like, I feel like Doug Peterson made his own bed here and he probably did it on purpose. He's a bright guy, right? Well, you can say what you want about some of his shortcomings. He ain't dumb. Bottom line is, he probably wanted out. Lori was on the fence and Doug made it easy for him. He said, Look, here's the sword. I'll hand it to you. Just finish me off. And. You know, there's no other explanation for possibly wanting Press Taylor to be your offensive coordinator unless literally Carson Wentz is calling all the shots. And if that's the case, you know he's coming back and they're going to try and fix that mess that became, you know, your franchise quarterback in 2020. So I feel like Peterson was like, hey, here's the deal. This is an easy way for us to say, see you later. I see it this way. You see it that way. But just the leaked reports and the, the back and forth and who knows what to believe and reporters, you know, conjuring up all kinds of stories not not just locally but nationally and the eagles are the talk of the nfl media for the better part of the last couple of weeks and they're not even in the playoffs they're a four-win team i mean it's just embarrassing 
they got to get it back on track. I, I sure as hell hope they have a plan in place. There's some talk on Twitter that maybe they've already got a plan in place. Otherwise, they wouldn't have done this when they did. And I'll, I want to read you a couple of uh, tweets here. Malcolm Jenkins, of course, we know him and love him. Longtime Eagle. 48 minutes ago on Twitter, he says, Deuce Staley, hashtag next man up. Every time he stood in front of the team, he had the attention and respect of everyone in the room. The embodiment of what it means to be an Eagles, uh, an Eagle in a coach. He goes, I'm good where I'm at, LOL, but in another lifetime, I'd love to play for him. So there's a, an endorsement unprovoked from Malcolm Jenkins, uh, Malcolm Jenkins there on Deuce Staley being the guy. Uh, one more for you, Johnny Mita. This one comes from Joe Banner, of course. We all know about his tenure in the Eagles front office. He says, quote, my only comment for now on Doug's firing is that I don't believe the Eagles did this without knowing who is next and have near certainty that that person will accept. They need to interview diverse candidates, but my bet is they have virtually made a decision. There's a guy with insider trading, certainly, of the organization. So if you believe it, if it's true, they've got somebody in mind, you know, it's, I would imagine it's got to be Deuce, right? I mean, how, how could you know how a Brian Gable would feel or an Eric Bieniemy would feel or, a, you know, name your coordinator would feel about the opportunity if you haven't ever spoken to him? Yeah, I mean, I, listen, Deuce has been waiting a long time to secure his shot. He's interviewed uh, different places. I, I'd be on board with it. My question is, how do they fix the offense? It's, the, the biggest thing is, Jeffrey Lurie wants an explosive offense. But I also think Deuce would not be in favor. Like I think he would bring in his own people, and they would have some very different type of identity than what they did have. So it might be a little more run-first type of identity, you know? So yeah, I I just – we'll see. I mean, the dysfunction of this organization, as far as – Howie Rosen having control of who suits up that day. Like, and I think Doug got pissed and got fed up. Like, the guy can't hire his own coaches. Apparently, it was also reported that once they fired Mike Rowe, he, he threatened to quit, but they didn't really take yeah. it seriously. Again, but all these rumors and all these spec, all this speculation, it's just not good. It's not healthy. And Jeffrey Lurie started his press, press conference by talking about culture. And now he's so proud of the culture that Doug Peterson brought that every day, there was good culture, the people in the building, there was respect there. And I buy all of that. I don't think people don't like Doug Peterson. I don't think people that work for him, the PR guy, the medical guy, yeah. the secretary, the players, everybody likes him. That's why they brought him in because Chip Kelly was a, was a D-bag and nobody wanted to work for him. I'm concerned that people enjoy Howie Roseman. We've heard from many a folk, past and present within the organization, they feel he might be a little bit of a weasel. You know, you've got local media folks today on WIP talking about how he, you know, continues to insulate himself and do whatever is best for his job to preserve his job. Um, and I don't think anybody doubts that around here. So that's the big concern is how much power does Roseman have moving forward? Is he able to continue to essentially work without any hesitation of or, or any fear of losing his job? And if that's the case, you've got a huge issue on your hands there. No, yeah, I mean, what, what can I say about Howie? Like I said before, I was all about the clean house cleaning. Like, fine, yeah. you want to move Howie up to president, president of president of operations, fine, but you need another Italian evaluator. I don't care if he handles the money. He, he can find ways to get creative to do that. He has 
trying to come up with in the last couple of years some very terrible contracts. Um, but and and there there's a lot of decisions. I think also the fact that this team is not like a year or two away. This could be a bit of a it could take two to three years to get it back into becoming a contender again. So there's a lot of unanswered questions. The timing, it's weird. Okay. I mean, I'd love to see a much more creative offense and and who do you bring in as defensive coordinator? I don't want to retrade. Go out and give me some fresh blood, you know? Just like I think there's – I just I, – I want something new. I want something fresh. I want something aggressive on the defensive side of things. And, and there's tons of people out there that are just waiting to have that opportunity. So let's go give it to them. Is it exciting for the franchise, John Meter? I mean, I – well, I mean, I feel. I mean, if you, you know what I mean. Yeah, like, I, mean, the, I don't. Well, it's it's, it's fresh, it's, so it's well, hard to it, wrap your head around it. But I would say it's uncertain and exciting at the same time. If that makes any sense, yeah. because again, the people yep. in the hierarchy of the organization, aka Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman, you're like, okay, do we trust them to make the moves? Because they've struck out. Listen, Doug Peterson, I'll, I'll give him his props, man. Bringing a Super Bowl to 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 Philadelphia to me personally to thousands of other Eagles fans was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen in my lifetime as a human being. And as a, uh, a big Philly sports fan, I love the fact that what he did is when he went to Minnesota the night before the game, he does a complete fake mock through to make sure that if the Patriots film them in some type of way, that they wouldn't have known what they were going to look at come Super Bowl Sunday. I think that is one of the most brilliant things I've ever heard in coaching history. So from that, and I want to thank him for everything he's did. But again, relationships sometimes the thing just runs it it runs its course. And yep, as a head coach, I mean, he his winning procession. He was a five hundred coach. He was, you know, had a five hundred thirty one winning percentage. So it's not like we're getting rid of an all time all timer. I think he also had some great assistant coaches around him when those assistants started taking jobs and and. And, and going other places, I think that that kind of weakened the team a little bit. So, but I listen. I wish yeah, another bit and, success for the future. I mean, and listen, I, 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 you, you nailed it on the head. Thank you, Doug Peterson, for the Super Bowl. But I was tired of watching what we saw the last couple of years, which was a stale offense, and that's something Jeffrey Lurie talked about. You know, he's a big offensive guy, and the offense wasn't creative. The offense wasn't getting it done. And again, there's a lot of blame to go around there. But, you know, at the end of the day, it falls at the feet of the head coach. On top of that, you know, Jeffrey Lurie's out there spinning again, same kind of garbage Howie Roseman did last week. You know, you look at the league and the last GM hires have come from the Eagles, and there's four or five guys in the building that will be GMs someday. None of that matters to the fan base. We don't care. Like, if the guy's good, promote him, keep him, whatever if he's, you know, if you're just trying to to pump yourself up, like what are we going to be the GM factory now or the quarterback factory, the GM factory, like just start winning games again, make the smart pick in the draft. Don't put us in cap hell and start to get young talent on this roster. And Oh, by the way, figure out the quarterback, which you paid all this money to who's a complete disaster. I, that's the biggest unknown right now, John Mita and, and Jeffrey Lurie was asked about Carson Wentz. He had to be asked, he could have said Carson Wentz's name a few times early in the press conference. He didn't even name him by name. He was pressed for a third time to be like, 
second or third time to be like, is Carson Wentz going to be on this roster before he ever said the name Carson and before he even started to talk about how fixable Wentz is and how other quarterbacks, Peyton and Big Ben, have had regressions in year four or five. So, again, a lot of spin there. That's the big unknown. What do they do at the quarterback position? And whoever's the head coach, you'd imagine, is going to take this job knowing what the organizational plan is. Right? There's got to be a plan. It's either we're going to try like hell to trade them, and you're coming in as the coach knowing that, or we're going to try and fix this thing, and you're coming in as the coach knowing that. Um, we'll see which one's the right answer. Time will tell. I, I don't necessarily disagree with your they're two to three years away from getting back to some type of consistency. I think it could possibly be done quicker with the right head coach and the right personnel. But yeah, there's definitely holes on this roster. We've talked about them for, for months now and they just weren't a good football team this year. Um, Johnny Mita, I guess uh, before we, we move on, um, you know, lastly from you on this situation, because we'll have months and weeks to, to talk about this probably. What's next for the birds? Well, I mean, I hope Jeffrey gets some more moxie and decides to take some of the personnel power away from his good little buddy, Howie Roseman. Again, I don't know if that's implying, you know, giving John Dorsey a larger role with the organization when it comes to draft town and everything else going on. So I'd like to see a little of that. And, uh, I think there's some good head coaching candidates. I mean, a guy that I like is in Buffalo, Brian Dable. Um, he might have worked in Alabama as well, so he might have been either familiar with Jalen Hurts. But to see what he has done with Josh Allen in the year, the progression of how he's progressed, I think that's one guy. Even a guy like Jim Caldwell, who used to be a head coach in this league, um, they just, I'd just like to see a better offense. I think there is some talent in some positions. Again, this is going to be huge, another huge offseason. You're going to have some high draft picks, and you have to hit. Again, you can't screw this up, but it's, it's uncertain times, just like the entire country right now. So, I don't know. Say a lot of prayers. What, what, what can I tell you? I mean, <laughs> I, I really don't know. So. And by the way, he also, and this is probably where a lot of people tuned him out, but he went on a Nate Sudfeld rant to Jeffrey Laurie uh, about how much he's meant to the scout team. He was the backup on the Super Bowl roster. He had a great game against Dallas in his first start, set a record going 19 at 21. And he was unstoppable that day, he said. By the way, the Eagles were shut out and lost that game 6 nothing in Week 17 in 2017. So, um People are crushing Jeffrey Lurie for those comments about Sudfeld. So, again, you know, I thought he was very candid early on. Their relationship, him and Peterson, their, you know, their families are friends and how he wasn't really firing them based on performance. It was just a difference in philosophy, essentially, a different vision for the franchise. So we'll see whose vision was right. Peterson now will get scooped up, I'm sure, in the next couple of weeks. He'll be on somebody's staff, if not running his own his own ship and we'll see if Lori made the right decision. A lot of folks are fired up because now this seems like it's doubling down on Howie and we know uh, how many people again feel about Howie Roseman. Uh, all right, Johnny Mita, uh, national championship game tonight. Want to give your prediction, Alabama and Ohio state. Yeah. Um, I think I just, as well as Ohio state played last week against Clemson, they were on fire. Their offense looked unstoppable. 
Fields got banged up in the game. Ohio State's quarterback, he got some really banged up ribs. And you just look at the juggernaut offense that Alabama is rolling with this year. I mean, they average almost 50 points a game. So, and if that gives you any indication, average about 50 points a game in the SEC is, is doing something. The point spread's nine points. I just think Alabama is going to be too much for Ohio State University. They come back. They give Nick Saban another title. Nine points is a lot, but with with Fields, the uncertainty because if they could knock him out of the game, you might as well just put that one on the board. So, but the explosiveness of Alabama's offense with the likes of Najee Harris and Devontae I mean, Smith, Mac Jones had an incredible year at quarterback. Alabama's defense isn't as good that it has been in Europe's past, but. I, I don't know. I think the tide will roll again today. I, I don't know if they'll cover the point spread, but I, I think the tide will roll. So, All right. Are you laying the points or not? That's what everybody wants to know here on the Brotherly Love Podcast. Are you laying the nine? I'm laying the nine, yeah. Not a guy. All right. Follow us on Twitter, <laughs> at Love Podcast. Flyers start their season this week. And um, let's hope they get off to a good start. They get the Penguins on Wednesday. And it should be a should be a good one. Look for Carter Hart to um, quickly regain his form, get some points early in the season, bank some wins. Nolan Patrick's been having a hell of a camp. He scored in the scrimmage last night. He appears healthy, which again uh, I would take with a grain of salt. But good to see him at least look like he'll he'll be in the opening uh, night lineup. And then we got Oscar Lindblom. I talked about. I thought it was going to be my breakout flyer this year. It'll be interesting to see what the Flyers do on defense with Eric Gustafson, the only newcomer back there, the retiring of Matt Niskanen. You got uh, Igor Zamula kind of looking to crack the lineup. So the Flyers have a few questions on defense I think will get answered early in the season. The big thing for all NHL teams, condensed schedule, condensed number of days, you got to have depth. And let's hope that the Flyers do have that along the blue line. And they certainly have four forward lines that at least uh, as they've been broken down in training camp so far look like They've got some good depth there. So I expect the Flyers to get off to a decent start to the season. Tough division, but Elaine Vigneault said no excuses. This team's got to make the playoffs. I expect them to do so. Yeah, I mean, I think this is where they take the next step. Um, last year, they ended up becoming the number one seed. They had that great winning streak. But I think another year of Carter Hart, I think this is where he really comes into his own as that standing on your head goalkeeper and you gotta love some of the young parts that that got to play last year Konechny was pretty impressive Oscar Limblom, I think is gonna have a tremendous year you mentioned that last week so and what do they do at like the trade deadline do they bring in they might be missing I think they're just missing one other sniper and so it'll be interesting to see if they can pull a deal off during the trade deadline to maybe an acquire a piece like that. So, yeah. And listen, they have the money. Um, I listened to a podcast uh, that your boy, Jason Martinez did with Chuck Fletcher, uh-huh. with like flyer daily or whatever. Sure. Caught that a couple weeks back when they announced the schedule and the flyers cap situation is good right now. It will actually get better as the year improve as the year moves on. Um, and they kind of broke that down a little bit on that podcast, but, uh, and Chuck Fletcher was pretty open in saying, yeah, like we're in a good spot. And, you know, if we stay healthy, et cetera, things move along. They'll have cap space to make a move 
uh, later in the year, and, and he didn't rule that out. So uh, great point by you. could be something the Flyers look at to sort of bolster the roster, you know, maybe 20 or 25 games into the shortened season. Oh, absolutely, 100%. I think that would be huge because I think they're just, again, one more piece away from really having something ridiculous. I love it. Let's beat the Penguins to start. Huh. That's always a, a good way to kick things off, my brother. Um, thanks for jumping on such short notice. Eagles, uh, the poopy Peterson, Peterson the puppet, the Doug Peterson era is over. And uh, we'll see what's next for the but let, Eagles franchise. Exactly. But we got to give him some kudos because he, he brought us to the promised land. So, All right. You can give him all the kudos you want, <laughs> I, I think. All right. I think he was a small part. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Fine, I, I'm now starting to take. I'm starting to take away for this legacy. Yeah. This he's going to be in the Eagles Wall of Fame. Like, give me a break. The guy was here five years, and what'd you say? Just over 500. Like, let's okay. let's tone it down a notch. We all know Nick Foles called for Philly, Philly. All right. He called the Philly oh, special. God, not sound like Peterson. Sean Murtaugh. All right. Anyway. All right. Well, let's not compare me to. Him. <laughs> all right. That'll do it for the Brother Love Podcast. Johnny Meter, you're the man. You got it. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll be sure to uh I'm sure it'll be interesting in the next couple of days yeah. of um what the plan is moving forward. So Yep, for sure. Uh go birds, enjoy the NFL playoffs as they move along. Maybe take a week or so off. Never know. We'll uh we'll update you. Go fly guys in the meantime, ten nine eight seventy sixers. Exactly. Philly still haven't made a goddamn move. And our Super Bowl prediction is still on track. Bills versus it the is. Packers. All right. It is the consensus BL podcast pick Never happens. on Twitter. You got it. And uh we appreciate all the love and support. Till next time, Brother Love Podcast. We'll see. You.